I did not expect that after the first Sunday of our transition that I would already get to preach out. So when Pastor Henry called me and said, hey, brother, you want to preach? I said, yeah, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. So I walked in the door, first time I've ever been here, but I do know some of the folks here. And uh, that new building, I think the, the first service that we ever did in there for a home going was uh, for Paul. And uh, Pastor Roy and I have been friends for a long time. My wife and Mrs. Roy have been friends and through the food bank ministry and helping with Bible time in summers. It's just been a real good relationship. So I walked in the door and I, this is really a cool, nice facility, except skinny pulpit, large man. <laughs> is, Adam, is that even scriptural? Is that, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like skinny jeans. I've never been able to get into them. But uh, I'm delighted to be here. I enjoyed Sunday school so much. My wife said, why didn't you take a picture of the outline and use it again? Oh, maybe you can put it back up there later, amen? But uh, I'm delighted to be here. I born and raised in North Dakota, got saved at 18 at Bible Baptist Church. My wife was raised Catholic. I was raised heathen. So we had no church background. Um, we, we got saved, and uh, her mother said, you need to take him to the priest and get him converted to be a Catholic if you're going to marry him. Well, we did go to the priest and talk to the priest, but, you know, we had to tell her mother that and her dad, we're not going to get married in the Catholic Church, we're getting married in the Baptist Church. Amen. And it was quite a, quite a journey for us. Uh, she said to my wife, you know, I've been saving for your wedding since you were a little girl, U.S. savings bonds, and if you don't get married in the Catholic Church... I'm not paying for your wedding. So my wife ended up working three jobs. I worked two jobs. We paid for our own wedding. We got married in a Baptist church. They threatened not to come. And there at the last minute, no kidding, over 150 Catholic people came to our wedding and heard the gospel. So God has been working in our lives. And her mother, we prayed for her mother 36 years before she got saved. When the grandkids came, we do have two kids, Joel and Sarah. Uh, Sarah did graduate from West Coast, married Chris Armour. He pastored two churches in California. They live in Georgia now. Four grandkids, uh, three girls, one boy. And our son, Joel, they both graduated from Tri-City Christian Academy. And Joel went to Bob Jones to get a pre-med degree because my wife's retired RN. He wanted to go into medical. And then he ended up joining the Air Force where he became... Uh, they put him through med school, and he's an internal medicine doctor and a geneticist. He's a major in the Air Force at Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi, Mississippi. So that's kind of our family. We just had two, not like a lot of you guys that have your quiver full, then you had to get another quiver, then you had to get another quiver. <laughs> I talked to Rusty, he's got nine. Adam's got five. How many does Pastor Henry have? Eight. <laughs> nine, eight. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 9 and 8, 17. <laughs> but it's a, it's a blessing to be here. Uh, February is a month where we do think of love. And I've been at my church 31 years. Uh, graduated in 92, started at East Mesa Baptist in 92, and then graduated again uh, with a master's from International Baptist College in 98. Um, so I'm an educated fool. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and I am so happy to be here. Um, I just can't hardly contain myself. I wore my I Love My Church, East Mesa Baptist. So February, I would preach for a series of messages. I love I love my spouse. I love the Lord. I love missions. I love lost people. And one of them would be, I love my church. How many here today would say, I love my church? I love my church. So by way of introduction, what do you love about your church? Some, let's go in this section here. Somebody, what, raise your hand, somebody. What do you love about your church? Music. That's because your wife's a pianist <laughs> and a singer, and so is your sister-in-law, and probably everybody else in the Roy family. The Bible, preach the Bible, okay? Somebody else, don't be shy. Yes, ma'am. The people, okay. The Bible, the people, okay. Somebody else, what do you love about your church? Yes, sir. The preaching. Somebody else, this section here is real quiet. What do you love about the church? Okay, you're going to... That's getting off the way. You have to be creative. Okay, I'm going to give you some things this morning, and I, and I love the church. Again, I wasn't raised in church. Church was all new to me. I didn't know what it was. We know in the Bible the church is a called-out assembly of believers. And the local church is a living organism. It's God's vehicle to do God's work on this earth. So today, we're going to look at what we love about the church. And this gentleman, he's in heaven now, was in Branson, Missouri, and he had this special tie embroidered for me and because he knew how much I love the church. And if you love the church, you are going to, number one, automatically love Jesus. You're going to love, number one, the person of the church. Take your Bibles. Go with me to... Matthew 16 and verse 18. Matthew 16 and verse 18. The person of the church. Matthew 16 and verse 18. When you get there, say amen. amen. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my, say it with me, ladies and gentlemen, church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray. Father, help us today as we look at some things in the church, Lord, that should garner our love. Speak to our hearts. God, there may be some folks here that the church is new to them. Maybe some folks here that uh, don't have a clear understanding of how important and special the church is. But thank you, Lord, that you built the church you love the church. You commissioned the church. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that is not saved, today would be the day of their salvation. So work amongst us. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to speak to these wonderful people today. We love you. We praise you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I love the person of the church. Jesus is the founder of the church. Jesus 
is the person. Everything in the church should point to who, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus. Everything should point to Jesus. It's where he has, Colossians 1.18, you don't have to turn there, it's, the Bible says he gets the preeminence. It's all about Jesus. And you know, sometimes being the senior pastor and being in a church 30 years, you know, you get that respect from people, you get that love from people, and they do nice things for you. And, and when you bring in a visitor, visiting speaker, sometimes the people say, Oh, well, the cat's away. The mice will play. But we don't come for the men. We come for the Lord. Amen? And I appreciated what Adam said about encouraging the pastor. Oh, and being encouraged as a pastor, when you know your people are there for God, it is such a wonderful thing. They're there for Jesus, that He is the preeminence. Ephesians 1.22 says that He is the head of the church. He is the shepherd. Pastor's the under-shepherd. He's the overseer. And go to Ephesians 3.21 with me, please. Ephesians 3.21. There's a lot of folks today uh, that I've encountered over the years that don't quite understand the importance of Jesus in the church. Um, We had a special speaker in, uh, and we took an offering. And the offering was, the speaker was a a good evangelist that we'd had for years. There's a gentleman in our church that uh, hadn't joined our church. And I announced the next Sunday how much that offering was, and it was very generous. And I said, the church gave this guy this. Well, the individual came and said, the church can't take credit for that because I gave money. And I looked at him and I said, no, the church did it. No, I did it. And he wasn't a member. So I took him to this verse, Ephesians 3, And verse 21, unto him be, say it with me, glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. I said, brother, everything we do, if we're going to give God the glory, he gets glory through the church. And I believe that we're rewarded for what we do in the church, through the church, for the Lord. You can do other things outside the church, good things, that's fine. But where does Christ get the glory? Where does He get the glory? In the church. The church is a very special place. In fact, Jesus is worshipped. Jesus is glorified. People don't even understand today how special and important the church is because He's the head of the church. He gets preeminence in the church. He gets glory in the church. Praise the Lord. And when you get that, your whole perspective on church will change. Church things, you won't put things above and over the church. You will put the church over and above other things. It will become a priority because he has the preeminence. I love the person of the church. 
He's the head of the church. He's the bridegroom. And he is the founder of the church. He gets glory in the church. So I love the person of the church. Number two, I love the church because the Bible says, take your Bibles and go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I am breaking in a new Bible. My wife said, are you sure you want to break in a new Bible today? Uh, I was given this for the transition from uh, our church secretary and another lady. Uh, it bends easy. It has a little bigger print, and I'm, I'm breaking it in. And this is my evangelistic, evangelist meeting Bible. And I wrote in the front of it, my first meeting, Royal View Baptist. You people are famous. <laughs> My wife said, if the pages stick together, if you can't find your place, you're going to look really bad. Well, 1 Timothy 3.15. And I have peas, Adam. I have peas today. We're all peas in a pod here. 1 Timothy 3.15 says this. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the, say it with me, church. church of the living God, the pillar. There's your second P. Number one was person. Number two, pillar. Pillar and ground of the truth. Now, looking in here, can anybody point to a pillar? Yeah. Oh, there's two right there. What are the pillars doing? Anybody tell me? They're holding it up. What does a pillar do? It holds something up. What does the church do? It holds up the truth. I love the church because it holds up the truth. You know, pillars are very important. Take these pillars down. The roof will go, whoop, start sagging, could even come down. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The truth is proclaimed. The truth is protected. These aren't my peas. These are sub-peas. <laughs> there's some frozen peas. There's some canned peas. There's some fresh peas. The truth is proclaimed, not opinions. Pastor Henry doesn't get up here and say, well, I think this. Or maybe it's this. No. Thus saith the Lord. The church is the pillar of the truth. Not opinions. Not conspiracies. The church upholds the word of God. It's the pillar and ground of the truth. I tell the people at East Mesa Baptist over the years, there is no place on this planet that you go that you hear what you hear in church. There, there's no other place. Tell me, where are you going to hear the truth? Where are you going to hear the Bible preach? Where are you going to hear the doctrines of the Bible? In, say it with me, church. I love the church because of the person of the church. I love the church because it's the pillar and ground of the truth. Number three, number three, go to Acts 14 and verse 23. Acts 14 and verse 23. I love the church because of the power that God has given the church. The power. And you might say authority. The church has the power or the authority to do things that no other 
institution on the face of this earth has the authority or the power to do. You know, you walk into a place and say, who's in authority here? Who has the power to make decisions here? The church has the authority to do things nobody else on this planet can do. Look at uh, Acts 14 and verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. The church has the authority or the power to ordain ministers. I've been on ordain or ordination councils. We've ordained a couple of guys in our church, sent them out a missionary, sent out a pastor. The church has the authority, the power to do that. Matthew 28, 19 all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them and baptizing them. The church has the authority or the power to baptize. God gave the church authority to ordain. God gave the church authority to baptize. God gave the church authority to marry. Marriage is honorable in all, in the bed undefiled. That's why they call it holy matrimony. Thank you. The church has the authority to marry and bury and baptize and ordain. All power is given unto me, Jesus said, and Jesus gave that power or that authority to the church. I love power. I love power. And an RT Challenger with a Hemi in it, Hugger Orange, that, that thing would just burn rubber. And I had to get rid of it because... A, I was going to lose my license, get tickets, or crash it. So then I got my wife a hot-looking charger out there. She says it's her car that I like, but it has a six-cylinder in it. Do you know how less power the six-cylinder than a Hemi? Less than half. The church has all the power. The church has a Hemi. The church has all God's power to ordain, to baptize, to marry, to bury, to sin, even to discipline. Matthew 18, 17. Let's look at that. Matthew 18, 17. Sometimes you wonder. Folks don't want to join the church because they don't want accountability. And they, they, they don't want to be responsible. But boy, once... Once you join the church and get under the, the umbrella of the church, there's protection there. There's fellowship there. Look at the Matthew 18, verse 17. The church has the power. Matthew 18, 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them, talking about somebody gets crossways, two witnesses go to him, say, hey, brother, get straightened out. And if you can't get it worked out, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear of the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. The church has the authority or the power to make decisions to discipline someone. Ooh, 30 years ago when I became pastor and I was wet behind the ears, I sometimes felt like I didn't know what I was doing and issues came up. And I went to the people and I said, please don't do this. Please, you're sowing discord. Please don't do this. Don't make me bring you before the church. Do what you have to do. 
So I had to bring their names before the church and had to vote. And I didn't want to do that as a young pastor. After the vote, the back door, I'm shaking hands, and one guy says, Jesus got a better trial than they did. Another guy says, what, what does it feel like to be like Moses? I said, yeah, I kind of feel like Moses, hearing all that murmuring and complaining. But I had to do what I had to do. But it wasn't me. It was the church. church. I didn't excommunicate them. It was the church. And any time church discipline is carried out, it's for restoration. So the church has this power, this authority. And it's something that no other institution on this earth has. The church is a special place empowered by God. The person is Jesus. And it's, it just holds up the truth. Number four. Are you ready for another P? <laughs> P soup, P salad. And somebody said it earlier when I asked what you loved about the church. The people. The people. The people are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, the Bible says we are a peculiar people. If you come to East Mesa Baptist, there's some peculiar people. That's what the Bible says. You say, yeah, sometimes everybody's a little weird. Yeah, but that's what makes the world go around. And, you know, it's kind of funny. No matter where you go, there's the same type of people, different face, same type of people. People are people. I know that's deep, but people are people wherever you go. So I love the people in the church. We merged with North Mesa Baptist. Their people come to East with East Bay. And I told our church months before preparing, you're going to get a whole bunch of new people to love. <laughs> and you're going to get new brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, that word brother is used in the world in not in a spiritual sense. Lost guys will say, hey, brother. Hey, bro, the hell's angels call each other brothers. Yeah. Hey, 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 bro, organizations, you'll hear somebody say, uh, yeah, we're brothers from a different mother, yeah. or we're, we're sisters from a different mister. <laughs> you, you, you know, no, we're not. Right. We're brothers and sisters in Christ because we have the same father. father. Yeah, we're all the children of God by faith in Christ. Yeah. We can go anywhere in the world and walk into a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-loving church and find what? What do we find? Brothers and sisters. Back in May, Memorial Weekend, 2006, I got a call from my dad. He was in North Platte, Nebraska, at 7 in the morning. He was driving from Denver to North Dakota for my stepmother, Bonnie's brother's funeral. He was going through North Platte, and there was a blinking yellow in this little town and a blinking red. Well, if you have a blinking yellow, you can go through, but if you have a blinking red, you... Him and Bonnie were in the minivan. A semi came through at 40 on the blinking red. 
and hit my dad's minivan. Broke my stepmother's back in three places, broke her neck. My dad had a concussion. He could walk and get around. He called me and he said, they're airlifting Bonnie to the trauma center in Denver. I need help. The van is totaled. I'm stuck here in the emergency room on a gurney. He was calling me from a gurney in the emergency room. I'm in Arizona. He says, I got to get to Denver. I got to get to Denver. It was about from North Platte, Nebraska to Denver. I can't remember exactly, maybe three, four hours. Can't remember. I got the phone book or I went online. I can't remember. It was 06. And I went through every Baptist church at 7 in the morning in North Platte, Nebraska. Call, call, call. And what do you get when you call a church? Answering machine. And I'm just praying, dear God, please, there's got to be somebody that can help us. Somebody can go to the emergency room, take my dad to Denver, because I was going to run to the airport, get on a plane, fly to Denver to be with them. This one pastor, Pastor Reeves, called me back right after, and I said, brother, my dad's been in a horrible car accident. We need help. What do you need, Pastor Hughes? What do you need? I said, I need you to go down and get my dad. I need you to take him to Denver. You got it. We're here for you. My dad checked out of the emergency room against medical advice, got in the pastor's car, had to drive through a pharmacy, 24-hour pharmacy, and get some, I don't know, it was pain meds for him or what it was, and he drove him all the way to Denver. I flew from Phoenix to Denver, got out at the airport, in Denver, got a taxi, there was no Ubers or Lyfts back then, and got to the hospital just as the pastor pulled up with my dad. There I go, and I see this pastor still in his pajamas. <laughs> he was wearing just clothes he threw on and hair tussled, Pastor Reeves. And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a brother in Christ. I love the people in church. They will help you. They will come to your rescue. They have compassion on you. And it was, long story short, she was in a turtle shell. Anybody know what that is? A body brace. Her, she had osteoporosis so bad that they couldn't even use the little screws to put her spine back together for pediatric babies. And she was just centimeters away from getting paralyzed. So she, six months she was in this turtle shell, hoping that it would just heal. She's disabled. She can walk, get around some, on meds. And that was, you know, 16, 17 years ago now. But my point is, you can count on the people in church to help you. You can count. That's how important a church is. The person is Jesus. The church is the pillar that holds up the truth. The church has all the power and all the authority. The people, our brothers and sisters in Christ, are there to help us. Galatians 6.10, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says to do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. We're supposed to do good to all men. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, okay? Do good to all men as opportunity arises but especially those of the household of faith. 
Think about that next time somebody needs help in the church, especially those of the household of faith. Okay, are you ready for another P? Go to Acts 12 and verse 5. Acts 12 and verse 5. I had that pastor in to preach for us a couple years later. And I had my dad and stepmother come from Denver and surprise when I presented him a little award for what he did for my dad and stepmother. And my dad was so blown away. And this guy had a bunch of kids. Probably not as bunch as there's here. But he had a bunch of kids. And my dad sent them to Disneyland. It was a blessing for the pastor. Because they had a real small church. And I think the pastor was bivocational. And uh, so it was a blessing. Acts 12 and verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison... But, say it with me, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. What is my fifth P? Somebody tell me. Prayer. The Bible says, my house shall be a house of prayer. Where do you get prayed for? Who do you offer up prayers for? Your brothers and sisters in Christ, the lost. Church is a place where you see prayers answered. Church is a place where you have prayer requests. East Mesa Baptist Church is praying for Mary and I. The transition, the mission. I believe, I didn't call up Pastor Henry and say, I want a place to preach next Sunday. Would you let me preach? He just called me up into the clear blue. Hey, brother, I heard you're trying to, you want to preach? Yes! That's a result of somebody praying for me. So somebody's prayers urged Pastor Henry to call me. I mean, you can say, ah, it was just a coincidence. There's no coincidence in God's economy. Prayer works. Amen? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You have not because you ask not. Ask and ye shall. Seek and ye shall. Knock, and it shall be open. So church is a place where you pray for others, where you get prayed for, where you see your prayers answered. I love the church because it's an opportunity to pray. And it's an opportunity to be prayed for. And it's an opportunity to learn how to pray. We, we didn't get a lot of people from other churches at our church over the years we scratched them out of the dirt. We went and led them to the Lord. And the way I would teach the men of our church to pray was kind of mean, but it was fun. It, was, it, was it would be time to pray for the offering or time to pray in church. And I would just call on somebody. And they'd go, huh. and we'd just wait. Amen. Then when they caught on what I was doing, I would say, now it's time to pray, and I'd go like this. They'd be ducking under the pew. <laughs> then men at the back church, don't you ever call on me to pray. Well, that's the way 99% of them learned how to pray. Some of them would write out a prayer and have it in their Bible ready. That's okay. Be ready in season. season. It's a, and now those men, deacons, Sunday school teachers, best prayer warriors they got. But you know what? Prayer isn't really 
has to be some sophisticated, um, involved educational dissertation thesis. Prayer is talking to God from your heart. Whether it's corporate prayer, individual prayer, group prayer, two people praying. Prayer is, I love church because of the prayer. And last but not least, last but not least, I love the church. Not only because the founder, the person of the church is Jesus. He has the preeminence. He's the head. Not only because it's the pillar holding up the truth. Not only because it has all the power. It's a hemi. Not only because of the sweet people that love each other, care for each other, and the prayers that are offered up, but the way the church persuades people to do right, to get saved, to live right. The way the church persuades, you know, let's let's go here. This, This was interesting. Go to Acts 26 and verse 28. Just flip over. The way the church influences, the church I was saved in influenced Mary and I. You know, when you're 18 and your hair's down to here and you got the, the worldliness going on and you, you walk in and you're like, okay, this is all new. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't know how to pronounce the books of the Bible. And the church persuaded me that living for the Lord was the best life ever. We got discipled. We got called to the ministry. We got ministry experience. More importantly, we got saved there. Acts 26, 28. Paul, the greatest missionary sent out of the church there, Acts 26, 28, was witnessing. And he said this to King Agrippa. Acts 26, 28. Agrippa said to Paul, Almost thou, say it with me, persuadest me to be a Christian. The influence the church has on people, the lost and the people in the church, how it urges people to make a decision. Preaching should be that which causes a decision in your life to do better for God. If you're not saved, to get saved. If you're not a member of the church, to join the church. It convicts you. It convinces you through the Holy Spirit. You see, ladies and gentlemen, 2 Corinthians 5.11, you don't have to turn there, says, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, I have tried to persuade people through the ministries of the East Mesa Baptist Church for the last 31 years to pray, to witness, to be faithful, to raise their kids for the Lord. And I know your pastor is doing that here. And when we realize how much, how important the church is, we will join it, we will support it, we will pray for it, we will attend it, we will say, okay, I'm all in, I'm all in, and I'm going to Serve God through the local church because He gets the glory. It's not all about us. It's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's all about Him. And that's where He gets the glory. I hope you love your church today. I hope you... Maybe you haven't joined it yet, but you can present yourself. Maybe you're not 150% sure you're going to heaven when you die. 
um, you know, it's not hope so, maybe so, guess so, it's no so. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And if you're not saved, there's guys in here to take a Bible and show you from the Word of God how to get saved. Um, you know what I had to do before I got saved? I had to go, mm-hmm. I had to swallow my pride. I had to say, I'm not good enough to get to heaven. If you could be good enough to get to heaven, why did Jesus have to die for you? On the big sinner scale, here's the worst sinner in the world over here. Here's the best sinner in the world over here. We're probably not the worst sinner. We're probably not the best sinner. We're somewhere in between, but we're still all what? Sinners. And Jesus came to save sinners. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that's Easter, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, salvation is a free gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody's going to say, I made it, I made it, I made it. No, no. You need to receive the ticket. The ticket's free. (laughs) I heard yesterday a Super Bowl ticket, Adam, is five grand for nosebleeders. Who would want to pay that for a nosebleed seat? Uh Uh-uh. I'd want to have a free seat in heaven because Jesus bought my ticket. But to get the ticket, what do you have to do? You know, I say this all the time to people. Do you have to work for a gift? Uh, uh. No, you don't work for a birthday gift. They give it to you because they love you. Do you have to work for a Christmas gift? Uh, I got to be good. That's what they told me. If you're not good, Shannon's not going to bring you nothing. And that kind of went into them with adults. Because adults think they have to be good to go to heaven. It's a free gift. You receive the ticket by faith. You could have a million dollars in the bank. And it could be yours, but until you draw it out and receive it, you don't got it. You see, salvation is in a person. That person is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He was buried and he rose again the third day. All you have to do is say, God, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. My works aren't good enough. I believe that you died for me, that you love me enough to shed your blood to wash away my sins. And right now, I put all my faith, all my trust, and all my hope in you. Please come into my heart and save my soul. And if you're here today and you're not 100% sure you're saved, today could be the day of your salvation. be the most wonderful day of your life. And today... Maybe your love for the church needs to be just a little more. A little more. Maybe you are saved, but you haven't yet joined. You say, okay. (laughs) You don't have to tell me more than once. I'm going to become a part of this fellowship. I'm going to join this church and serve God here. Maybe, Maybe you just need to love the people a little more. Maybe you need to appreciate the prayers, and pray for people a little more. Maybe you need to persuade some people to come by inviting them. You know, statistics say people come to church 87% because somebody invited them. Somebody invited them. You find somebody, just tie them up and put them to the bumper and drag them here. But you have to probably 
invite 100 to get one or more. But here's what I found. You can invite 100, 200 people, tracks, invite them, and nobody ever comes you invited, but God sends somebody in that drove by because he blesses the effort. He blesses the effort. So today, I hope you love your church because Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. He's the head of the church. The church is his body, and we don't want to hurt the body. You don't just do this to your body. You nourish it. You take care of it, and that's what we want to do to his church, his body.